Welcome to Strategy Talk, where the editors of Strategy Page discuss current events with a splash of history. I'm Dan Masterson, host of Strategy Talk. With me today is the editor of Strategy Page, well-known military author and game designer, Jim Dunnigan. Also joining us is the associate editor of Strategy Page, columnist and author, Austin Bay. Welcome, Jim and Austin. I thought it would be uh, good to talk a little bit about the Philippines today. Jim... President Duarte is uh, facing some uh, challenges with his neighbors, the Chinese. Is that right? <laughs> He's been facing challenges from the Chinese for about a decade now, ever since China decided that they own the South China Sea. Uh, it's a love-hate relationship because China has also become a major economic factor in the Philippines. Uh, but that's what China's been doing throughout the region. Uh, you know, becoming the uh, the largest investor, the largest uh, exporter, and often the largest importer, even from a country like the Philippines. Uh, normally, China only imports um, raw materials uh, from uh, you know most countries. Uh, Australia, for example, has become extremely, you know, uh, how should I put it, uh, well off uh, by selling uh, you know the abundant raw materials they have. Uh, to China. Uh, but the, for countries like the Philippines, which have a uh, less robust uh, economy, uh, China has become a threat not only because of the territorial claims on, you know, ocean areas, uh, but also because they offer, you know, well, I guess what you might call potentially predatory loans. Uh, you know, they call it debt diplomacy. Um, and it's been happening a lot. Uh, the also the Chinese, uh, the Chinese literally invade. Um, they prefer to bring their own workers for major projects, and that's become something of an issue in many countries. Uh, in Africa, it was accepted because you know China basically went along with the local uh, customs and bribed the uh, people running the place. And, uh, you know, cleared the way to bring in their own workers, also pointing out that they were more efficient, you know, there was no language barrier, et cetera, et cetera. But they would also demand that their uh, imported workers be allowed to stay. Uh, and, they, and before you knew it, the Chinese had, you know, taken over large sections of the uh, wholesale and retail economy, uh, setting up, you know, industrial uh, operations. Now, that is not necessarily a bad thing. And many countries realize, you know, we have a we have a even in the Philippines, we have a, you know, good news, bad news situation, uh, whereas the Chinese were very uh, helpful to the economy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this is galling. You know, this, you know, why, why are the Chinese, we letting the Chinese do all this? Um, and in the Philippines, it, 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 it was uh, recently an issue. It is recently an issue uh, because China, when they bring in their own workers, uh, even into a, uh, you know, an alien place like the China, the, the Pakistan, they basically set up a, a, a lot of uh, retail operations, which are Chinese only. They will not serve anybody who's not Chinese. Now, in many countries, they just shrug their shoulders and say, okay, you know, that's the way they roll. But in the Philippines, which has picked up a lot of, you know, uh, uh, customs from the United States, uh, that basically, you know, raised the red flag, literally and figuratively. Um, and that is becoming an issue. Uh, 
and this has you know, been a problem for the Philippines because it basically constrains uh, their government, how the government can negotiate with the, uh, uh, the Chinese. This is good news and bad news because it means uh, <laughs> there's more scrutiny even in a country which has been cursed by corruption, you know, uh, since forever in the Philippines. Uh, but there's even more scrutiny uh, when it involves, you know, China. Uh, so that is, in a way, good news because the Chinese do tend to be fast and loose, even if it isn't a local custom, as we've discovered in the United States and Canada. Uh, they will try and, you know, buy their way into whatever deal they feel is best for their interests. So the Chinese are, you know, like I say, good news, bad news for the Philippines. Um, but currently, the uh, the general attitude in the Philippines is the Chinese are not good for the Philippines. Uh, a lot of Filipinos can read Chinese, or at least enough of them. Uh, you know, they can they can watch the Chinese, uh, you know, uh, 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 internet-based news, or get Chinese publications. And uh, they point out that that the Chinese popular opinion, which is obvious, which is controlled by the government, you know, certain opinions are, are simply not allowed. Another, you know, uh, custom they're trying to export. Um, they uh, uh, they basically uh, ignore, the government censors ignore any talk of, you know, basically, uh, you know, oh, the Philippines is, is a Chinese territory. I mean, the entire country, you know, a lost province. A lot of lost provinces in Asia these days. And that makes people in these lost provinces nervous. Uh, because uh, China is increasingly following up on these wild claims. Um, so, you know, China is the, uh, you know, Santa Claus and, and, and the demon from hell, uh, depending on the day of the week in, in the Philippines, as it is throughout the region. Austin? Well, uh, I want to refer our listeners to a column I wrote on strategy page. It's got the uh, April 10th, 2019 on it, uh, on point column called Manila's Beijing Bromance Wrecks on Pagasa Island. Uh, it points out, picks up several points that uh, Jim just made, including the uh, the debt trap. Now, the, the debt trap has become something of a political trap for Duterte because his political opponents had been saying, watch out, look how much money we owe the Chinese. And they are unlikely, unlikely to let us roll over the debt. They will make demands on something uh, implicitly on our territory, because simultaneously with, as Jim said uh, rather humorously, their their Santa Claus and the demon from hell, this Pagasa Island is their latest example of using cabbage strategy and swarm tactics to come in uh, into into the the Philippines' exclusive economic zone, it's EEZ, and uh, create an artificial island. They've done that, in other words, and then make the uh, territorial claim that they're recovering. Jim, you call it a lost province. That's that's great. The Vietnamese feel uh, the, the same way. Uh, they're not a province of China, but uh, China thinks that it can just take whatever island that it wants off of the Vietnamese coast and has so far gotten away with it, so far gotten away with it vis-a-vis the Philippines. 
loans. And that's uh, there. The, the debt component is one where that gives China uh, a financial weapon. Again, if we're looking at this as as cocktail cocktail warfare, the Chinese are are exploiting their financial and economic uh, weaponry, uh, as well as their uh, sea militia, as they call it, or naval militia, which uh, consists of fishing boats as well as a coast guard, and they go in into an area that uh, that China is about to. Uh, <clears throat> where Chinese uh, construction barges will soon appear and start pouring uh, con uh, concrete. There's also another component to this. Uh, we've touched on this in the past. I touched on it. Actually, we talked about it in detail once. China's pr preference for bilateral deals. In other words, where they can be the big bully and the weak and the weak neighbor, and that's certainly the situation economically and militarily with the uh, 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 with, with the Phil uh, with the Philippines. Would China make some sort of a deal in a debt trap, saying you sell us uh, this? uninhabited area? I don't know. It's certainly a, 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 a scenario. I don't know that the Philippines, Filipino people would, uh, <clears throat> I think the Filipino people would certainly become quite uh, uh, territorial on that. Remember, the Philippines also won uh, a uh, arbitration hearing in The Hague, uh, the tribunal that rules on the UN Convention on the Law of the Sea. That I touch on that in the uh, column as well. That was uh, the Hague Arbitration Tribunal ruled that China had intruded on Filipino uh, territory, also had uh, illegally uh, fished uh, in Filipino waters, in other words, theft of, of, of a variety of maritime resources. And China just shrugged its so, uh, shoulders because the U.N. couldn't enforce it, Philippines couldn't, and uh, the Obama administration didn't want to confront uh, uh, Beijing. So all in all, Beijing certainly got what it wanted uh, in, in terms of well, fishing Filipino reefs and in terms of encroaching on uh, Filipino territory. Note, too, it's not just the Philippines. Jim's said, you know, all, all these other lost provinces, but look how these artificial islands march consistently south through the, through the South China Sea towards the Strait of Malacca. That's something else we've, we've talked about. In other words, to get down to, to, towards uh, 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 Singapore. Duterte, now, now Jim, Jim mentioned this, Duterte, when he came into office, that's why I use the term bromance in that in that uh, column. Uh, made direct appeals to Beijing. Uh, some of it was also posturing uh, in in playing to Filipino uh, nationalists that resent uh, American colonialism. Uh, at at the same time, they admire the United States uh, immensely, but. I speculated in that column that what he was up to was attempting a, a rapprochement that would make a deal ultimately that would end Chinese territorial expansion. Uh, and here he said, we can get along, we can work together, we'll be, uh, uh, you can sell us things, we'll sell you things. But Be Beijing didn't buy it. 
They didn't buy it because they've had too much uh, too much success. And uh, he's now he's he's caught. Uh, the, that didn't work. The debt trap. He's he's now agreeing with his political opponents that the debt trap uh, is uh, uh, is real. And one reason I wrote this column in uh, in April was because on April fourth, uh, Duterte told China that the Philippines would react militarily if they continued their swarm tactics around this island, Pagasa Island, uh, in the Spratlys. I mean, he, he actually threatened war. Uh, China, very carefully, the Chinese government just said, kind of shrugged and said, oh, this, this will settle down. We all know what Duterte is like. He's, uh, he's uh, uh, a bit of a loud mouth, shoots his uh, mouth off, and uh, he's, he's brash. And that was the uh, foreign, Beijing, the Chinese foreign ministry's uh, response uh, to his threat. There uh, hasn't been any shooting, but this is the kind of situation where China has, and in my estimation, China's really pushed this uh, to to the brink. I'm talking about the actual territorial seizure. We'll see. And the Philippines would be a uh, definitely a, a flashpoint, if, uh, and not just a flashpoint with hot rhetoric, Dan. I'm not predicting a war. That's not what I'm saying. There is a war going on, and China's been winning it. It's a war with pouring concrete and uh, ignoring international law and getting away with it. And the question is, is how far, how far is that going to go before some brash, rash hothead like Duterte, uh, and I'm calling him a hothead, is a bit – it's a bit unfair. Uh, he's uh, he is uh, someone who he's capable of hot-headed hot-headed reaction, but I that's this is one of the things where the, the Chinese uh, had had better consider the uh, the personality of uh, of, of the uh, leader that they're that they're confronting. That's a thought, anyway. Now, Jim. The Philippines has some other uh, problems that are continuing for them, too. Down south, uh, we published an article, I think, a week ago about some running gun battles that they're having with their uh, Muslim insurgents. Actually, they're winning that war. That's the the Moro Rebellion. Uh, This is a problem that's been around... Uh, well, since forever. The Spanish first encountered it uh, when the Spanish first came in, you know, what, four or five hundred years ago. Uh, Europe, the first Europeans to, to uh, basically come into the Philippines. Um, they discovered that uh, most of the Filipinos were pagans, you know, Malay uh, uh, tribes, uh, you know, uh, Malay peoples, much like in Indonesia or Dutch East Indies, as it was then called at the time the Spanish rolled in. Um, but the uh, the tribes in the uh, south, some of the southern tribes, um, were also Malay, but they were Muslim because uh, Islam had slowly spread by missionary, not by force, uh, into the um, uh, into the uh, you know Southeast Asia. And uh, but at the time the Spanish showed up, it only really took hold in uh, you know in the in the far south. And, uh, of course, the Philippi- the uh, Spanish offered Catholicism, which 
make of that what you may, it was more attractive to uh, Filipinos uh, than uh, Islam. Uh, there are some cultural differences between the, uh, you know, the, the, the peoples, as it were. Uh, I mean, they're all the same. Ethnically, there's not a lot of difference. Uh, but those uh, people in the South, uh, you know, a small percentage of the population, overall population, who accepted Islam. Uh, also, you know, it's sort of like the Wild West. I mean, culturally speaking, uh, you know, you, you go to any country, even in in in, uh, in England, you know, the North is considered rowdy. Uh, it is to a certain extent, but let's not get into that. Um, uh, in the United States, you know, the we're going to get letters from angry Scotchmen. Jay. I know. Well, no, they're proud of it. Yeah, but they basically do it right. But anyway, the uh, you know, in Canada, you got the you know the the French and the you know the uh, the English speakers, and then of course you have out west to get BC. But anyway, um, in um, in the Philippines, the, uh, uh, the 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 southern groups, uh, and, and not just the Muslims, because uh, you know the the, the south uh, the southern Philippines is mostly Christian. Again, partially because uh, Christianity is more attractive to uh, to 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 most Filipinos. Uh, Got to remember Islam. Literally means you know submission, and uh, and you know in, in a lot of countries it, it doesn't really appeal, um, and uh, and when a certain percentage of the population adopts adopts it, they consider themselves you know distinct, and the relationship is often hostile. Anyway, that's been going on for years. The United States ran into it you know in the uh, after the Spanish American War when the U.S. occupied the Philippines. Uh, they found out that the Moros were the most fierce, that it was the most, you know, uh, you know, clever, as it were, opponents, um, and uh, uh, that, you know, gave rise to, you know, iconic things like the forty-five pistol. You know, how do you stop a a crazed, you know, fanatic Moro, uh, you know, from coming at you with a with a basically an edged weapon, uh, you know, a machete type weapon? Um, and a 45 would do it where a 38 9 millimeter caliber weapon would not. The um, so they the the Philippines inherited that problem, and uh, the other problem, which is still involves running gun battles in the south, are communist uh, rebels. They're still around. Uh, yeah, new ideas often you know it, you know are accepted slowly in, in Philip parts of the Philippines. So, so uh, traditional communists though that aren't so happy about capitalism like the communists they're dealing with out in the South China Sea, right? Well, yeah, exactly. In other words, these are traditional communists uh, who took a big hit in 1989, 1991, when all the their communist uh, models, as it were, in Europe, you know, simply disappeared. That came as a shock. Uh, but the uh, the NPA, the uh, the Filipino communists, they still had some momentum because there were issues, you know, the corruption, you know, the crony capitalism, uh, and and you know, sheer poverty in many parts of the Philippines uh, had a, a certain appeal. And, and, of course, in the universities, you know, things like this, they, for some reason, there's always a, po a lot of popularity for, you know, uh, uh, how should I put it, um, radical solutions, you know, uh, police, state, government, you know, that'll fix things, sure. But anyway, uh, that's why they don't study history anymore. The... Um, 
the uh, the NPA and the uh, and the and the Moros, uh, they've been on the decline. And it, this has nothing really to do with Duterte, although he speeded it up a little bit. But that had been going on. And uh, even when Duterte uh, came into office, uh, what, five years ago, uh, there was already a treaty uh, sitting in front of the uh, Filipino Congress uh, for a an autonomous, uh, you know, um, Vegas Moro, uh, you know, uh, uh, Moro uh, 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 region, as it were, in the South. Small region, and the big debate when, uh, when Duterte marched in was... Uh, the uh, the areas, provinces, or parts of provinces, where the Christians were a large, you know, a large. Well, they're always a minority down south. There's no area where the where the uh, the Muslims are the absolute majority. Um, but the Moros wanted uh, their autonomous area region to include uh, a lot of Christians, and the Christians didn't like that. Not just the Christians down south, uh, but Christians in general. And since they dominate, you know, by by large, you know, uh, like I say, over not, not, what it ninety five percent of the population, ninety six percent is uh, is Christian, um, and that was a real sticky point. Another, but another sticky point was there were still, uh, how should I put it, militant organizations that were you know, terrorist organizations. The MILF that was the main one. Um, they uh, actually they, they, there was a, another uh, similar to the uh, MILF that had made peace with the government in the 1990s, but then the MILF, the other large, uh, uh, you know, uh, Muslim, uh, you know, uh, separatist, as it were, whatever you want to call it, uh, uh, rebel group, uh, did not agree to make peace. So it took another. Uh, you know, 15, 20 years uh, to get the uh, the MILF to come along. But then you still had, uh, uh, you know, factions breaking off from MILF uh, saying, no, 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 it's all or, all or nothing. And now you've got basically an isolated, you know, uh, you know, Islamic State franchise uh, in the Philippines, which is much diminished. Uh, like I say, they're not even popular among fellow Muslims, and that counts for something. That counts for something even in the Philippines. Um, but the 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 remaining groups uh, like Abu Sayyaf, uh, which is Anan Sulu, uh, you know the islands in the in the southwest, um, they basically have a few holdout groups, which are literally you know gangsters pretending to be religious zealots. I mean, they do have some true believers, but mostly they're out for, you know, kidnapping, uh, you know, extortion, uh, whatever they can get away with. Uh, they have a sort of a Robin Hood strategy uh, in the areas where they live, as it were. They, they spread the money around. Uh, and around 2000, you know, uh, they collected some very large multi-million dollar uh, 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 ransoms uh, for Western, uh, you know, kidnapped hostages. Uh, and that doesn't happen much anymore, very, very infrequently. Uh, they're mostly, uh, the, the most recent scam was going out to sea. I mean, they're right on the Sulu Sea uh, and grabbing passing boats, fishing, small boats, fishing boats, uh, small coastal, you know, freighters and what have you. Uh, not taking the ships because there's no place where they can basically hide them safely while trying to ransom them. But they take the crews or certain select members of the crews, Indonesians, uh, uh, you know, uh, people from Bhutan, whatever, whoever, Thailand, whoever happens to have the misfortune of going through there unaware of, you know, there's pirates about. Um, but they're on the decline. 
they are not the they are not the problem, and and we report that because basically yes, there there are major gun battles, but the 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 uh, Abu Sayyaf and the uh, uh, the Islamic State groups are losing. Uh, in fact, there, there was there was a couple of big ones, major ones, uh, in the last uh, year and a half, two years, um, and we keep track of the numbers. Uh, and and there's just fewer and fewer of them there. There'll always be some, but as long as they get down to the level of just bandits, which have always been a problem in uh, in rural Philippines, uh, that is considered tolerable. Um, you have a bigger problem in the South uh, beyond religion, uh, in that the the Southerners are into these clan feuds, which often break out into you know little wars. Uh, this sounds almost medieval, I guess, in a way it is, where the the, the central government, the crown, uh, uh, had tried for centuries uh, to uh, to outlaw private wars. <laughs> you know, you've got to go to the king's courts, uh, and that in places like the Philippines is still an issue. But a bigger issue, getting back to the, the the basic theme of this discussion, is why is China a threat all of a sudden? This is something new. Uh, until China industrialized, you know, starting in the 1980s, and became a major import-export nation, which they had never been before. We're talking thousands of years of history. China had always accepted or embraced the idea that we have everything we need, which turned out to be a fairly smart you know, move. They were not dependent on anybody. Uh, they hustled. They had for thousands of years until last, let's say, four or five hundred years, they had the largest population of any unified empire in, on the planet, the largest GDP. Uh, although it's kind of hard to you know calculate because you know the, there was no such thing as international economies in those days. The Europeans invented that uh, by and large, while the Romans did. The Mediterranean countries first saw that, but there was nothing like that in, in China. Uh, the only you know that the only reason they stayed out of places like Korea and Vietnam and on and off Tibet was because the locals EA didn't have much of, of value to the empire, nothing to offer. Uh, there was no there there as far as the Chinese were concerned, you know, economically or otherwise. Um, and the locals were just too much trouble. You know, they kept rebelling. Uh, the Vietnamese still have that dubious distinction, but they also are aware, and they're very wary of China, you know, economic investing and what have you. They've become our allies again. I mean, you know, this talking about, you know, uh, looking back over history, you know, a lot of Americans like Roosevelt and uh, and he had a lot of allies, saw the, the French in Vietnam uh, as, you know, colonialism in general was seen as a bad thing. I mean, we had promised the Philippines we were going to get out in 1944. That was delayed only one year, uh, no, two, well, we, well, no, the official day was 45, uh, you know, before World War uh, II. And that was delayed uh, one year. Uh, you know, we, you know, MacArthur made a big deal about that, and uh, and the Filipinos appreciated that. Uh, but the Chinese, <laughs> they have no deadlines, no independence, and that's why they, the Chinese, so casually talk about, you know, uh, lost provinces. But the thing to consider is before the Industrial Revolution finally caught up with China, and this is we're talking something recent, didn't really happen, uh, you know, until the last, until the 1970s and 1980s. Um, uh, well, actually, 80s and 90s, really. Uh, China 
he basically accepted the traditional view that we are a continental power. And, you know, you're going beyond the, you know, our land borders. It's just not worth the trouble. But as they became a, a you know, an economic superpower in the, in the modern sense, they said, hey, there's, there's more lost provinces out there if we're willing to build a big navy. God, what, are poss- what possibilities? Now, in the United States, we're less aware of this, you know, but, you know, in, in, the closer you get to China, you know, foreign countries like Vietnam, Korea, not North Korea, North Korea, well, yeah, they're, they're aware of it, but they don't talk about it because, you know, China's about their only ally, useful ally. Um, but South Koreans are well aware of it, Chinese are, uh, the, Europe, uh, the Japanese are very well aware of it. Taiwan, uh, you know, the Taiwanese are now in charge. You know, for a long time, it was the, the Chinese, uh, the losing factions, the Kuomintang, you know, uh, from the Chinese Civil War in the late 1940s. They dominated uh, Taiwan politics. But in the last, you know, uh, 30 years, you know, they had democracy and the Taiwan, the native Taiwanese who had never been part of China before, because again, it's an island. Hey, that we don't we don't do islands, um, but uh, you know the, the the Japanese came in. Japanese were you know to many Taiwanese. This is what the Chinese will do to us, you know. Uh, and then of course the Kuomintang, you know, the uh, came in and said, "See what I say? We were right. You let these you know these these mainland Chinese in, and they're just another bunch of tyrants." Uh, so you have, uh, and of course Tibet. Was a country was an area which was free from the fall of the, uh, the you know the in the 2010 when the last Chinese Empire fell uh, uh, until uh, early 1950s when China said hey oh you belong to us and they just marched in boom uh, and it's been downhill ever since not according to the Chinese because the Chinese moved in a lot of Chinese and their objective is to eventually make uh, you know Tibet uh, majority Han Chinese which is what scares a lot of these countries and now the list of potential victims is much larger uh and that's why even the philippines that was unthinkable you know before you know the last decade or so it was it was a ludicrous i mean it was it was a punchline and a joke you know talking about china that the philippines was a lost province now it's no joke it's a real threat and that's what really, uh, you know, grabs uh, Filipinos, you know, by the throat. Uh, Duterte, yes, he thought, well, look, maybe we can, you know, make a deal. Uh, we, they, we won't let them buy this, but they can rent parts of us. Uh, that didn't go over too well. I mean, there were a lot of Filipinos who say, well, yeah, you know, it's business. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the, the Chinese are not, you know, uh, the mafia uh, and they play for keeps. Uh, they're about, you know, uh, becoming your ruler, uh, not your cutthroat, you know, banker and enforcer. Um, and uh, the, and, and the, the Filipinos see a lot of evidence of that elsewhere in, in, um, in, uh, in Asia. I mean, for example, what's going on in, 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 in the uh, Muslim areas of, uh, of China, northwestern, they, uh, you know, the, the province that they're basically using as a baseline experiment for Big Brother, literally, you know, George O. You know, I said, oh yeah, it's real, <laughs> and you got these, these 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 computers and everything. Um, 
the uh, uh, you know the, the rest of Asia looks at that, and and while some say, well, yeah, the, the the security cameras are a good idea, but you know this idea of the government, you know, basically uh, scoring your behavior in general, and uh, basically uh, uh, establishing your your rights and and and, and you know freedoms uh, according to how compliant you are with uh, what the government wants. I don't think we want that so much. Um, and uh, so China poses a threat on so many levels. And the, and the scariest part of it, a lot of the areas being threatened were never threatened before. Never, ever. And, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll, throughout the region, you have countries, you know, that were never quite, you know, allies are now allies. And the common enemy, the common threat is China. And that has really, that's a better profound change. Uh, but on the bright side, the Chinese don't want a war. They do the math. That's what makes them dangerous. Uh, you know, they, they don't just go, you know, I mean, they have their, they have their nationalism. The government tries to play that like a musical instrument. Uh, but that can backfire as the Chinese are well aware. Historically speaking, the Chinese can basically get, uh, you know, riled up as it were, uh, and out of control. Uh, but the, uh, but the Chinese government also realizes that if we maintain our control uh, in China, and uh, they've done a lot of things that nobody ever thought China would do, like basically mixing a police state with a uh, with a with a relatively free economy. Uh, uh, that's, that's a scary proposition because everybody you know, in the West, we thought, hey, if you're going to become a, a free economy, democracy will follow. Well, not if you've got an effective enough police state standing in the way. It's the one thing, you know, modern you know, communism has developed that has staying power. It's police state tactics that, you know, work. Uh, not forever, uh, but if you if you basically, you know, make it part of your portfolio, as it were, uh, it can work for a long time. And the Chinese are basically proving that, uh, that George Orwell was right. Uh, Big Brother <laughs> is real, and he's speaking Chinese. So, you know, there's the thing that basically haunts all of, uh, you know, uh, China's neighbors, not just the Philippines. But the Philippines are an interesting example because the Philippines are – one country in in you know that part of the world that based a lot of its institutions on the United States, uh, you know they have a Congress, they have a Senate, they have a, they they're fanatics about you know uh, democracy. Uh, the, uh, the different parts of the country tolerate corruption, you know, to a, a much or, a greater or lesser extent. Uh, Duterte, for example, takes a lot of heat uh, into in the West for his war on drugs. Now. What Duterte did, first he did it as a test when he was the mayor of a, uh, of a uh, city down south, which had been out of control between drug gangs and, you know, Islamic terrorists and what have you. He just said, all right, let's do like some of our neighbors like Singapore or Indonesia, you name it, like they do. Let's, you know, go by local traditional rules. In other words, death penalty, you know, not a lot of the protections that uh, we take for granted in the West. Um, and surprise, surprise, it worked. Uh, you know, it, it got a lot of people killed, uh, but they run opinion surveys, and the opinion survey says, yeah, you know, the good side, the bad side, you know, on, on, on balance, we like it. 
uh, you know, the Western journalists had the hustle to get, you know, a negative side to the story from the Filipinos. Um, and it was kind of discouraging when they say, yeah, I know we have democracy. We have this. We have that. But damn it, we don't want our neighborhoods run by drug gangs. And we're, you know, we're not going to take it anymore. We're fed up. Um, God, they should make a movie on that. But anyway, the um, uh, the thing is, different countries, different cultures have different attitudes towards these problems. And Duterte did the, you know, to many people outside of the Philippines, the heretical thing of doing it using local, you know, customs. Uh, and while the Philippines has adopted a lot of American, you know, Western, you know, traditions of uh, law and democracy, uh, they have not accepted them all. Um, and and this and this, you know, people are different, so to speak. I mean, these differences are important, and this is what you see playing out. But at the same time, <laughs> the Philippines is doing is confronting something that we are only coming, uh, how should I put it, face to face with, and that is the threat of of a of a of a global. Chinese imperialism, not just a continental Chinese imperialism. Uh, and that is something, uh, that is a threat, that is a change that goes far beyond, you know, uh, Southeast Asia. And the rest of the world is starting to wake up to it. Austin? I got a couple, I just got a couple of quick things to say. I, I didn't okay. mean to interrupt her. What's your question? Well, I, I was going to say, why don't you give us your final thoughts on, on the Philippines okay. and we'll wrap it up. Original edition of Quick and Dirty Guide to War, 1985, had a chapter called The Philippines, the Sick Man of ASEAN, Association of Southeast Asian Nations. And we were making a, a, a Jim and I were alluding to Turkey being the sick man of Europe in the late 19th century and uh, uh, early, early 20th uh, century. All of the small guerrilla groups that Jim talked about, some of them weren't so small. Uh, the Moro Islamic Liberation Front is the MILF that Jim mentioned, and that's a radical organization. It's lost a lot of people. Uh, Abu Sayyaf was in some ways a split off from it, but uh, Abu Sayyaf was influenced by al-Qaeda and uh, Islamic State and elements of these uh, Islamic uh, uh, is Islamists is what it is. The Moro National Liberation Front, that was the other one, Jim, the MNLF that you were uh, alluding to, uh, had, a, had a bit of a mix. You know, maybe a third, 40% of it was, was Muslim, but it also had Christians in it, and they were seeking autonomy. They moderated a great, a, a great deal. But a lot of this stuff was going on. There was a lot of shooting in the in the 1980s. The NPA, New People's Army, it's gone through three or four phases, but it was originally a very aggressive Maoist organization, similar to Sendero Luminoso. Different, but I'm talking about in the way that they would conduct some of their operations. Uh, their terrorist outfit, and uh, finally... Uh, I forget when it, uh, when, it, uh, when it happened. The Philippines declared him terrorists. Now I think they're internationally declared uh, to be uh, terrorists. So they fight on Luzon, Jim. They, they've got a uh, up on the on the on the big island of Luzon. They still show up there. Uh, and if I recall correctly, reading about this, there was an army operation against them sometime in March, uh, or a plan. So it's st that's that kind of action is still ongoing, Dan. From the 80s, as Jim pointed out, though, a lot of it's died down and the, the Manila, the na national government's been 
darn good at it, particularly when there has been a political, and I'm including political Islamists, as a political uh, angle to it uh, and, and separatism. What Jim called about the clan, clan fighting, and he said that that sounds medieval or feudal. You might even say that it's tribal. I, that you know, there, there are folks that would rile about that uh, and say, "Well, wait a minute. We're not, we're not tribes. We have, uh, we have our own interests in our village and in our in our area." And the, but they do uh, clash with uh, clash with their neighbors, and they haven't fully accepted, as Jim called it, uh, the king's courts, the federal courts. Part of the reason on that, and it gets exploited by some of the extremists is corruption within the country. They say we can't, we can't get an honest court. But to get back to the, the big point picture, when Jim brought it down to that we're dealing with an expansionary imperialist China that has global aspirations, the Philippines are a glaring, uh, maybe the most, right now, the most blatant example because the Philippines are far more information porous uh, able to get in reporters, able to, uh, and the the Filipinos can get on the internet uh, freely themselves, than even Vietnam. Vietnam's made a lot of strides. And certainly, and that's, Jim was talking about uh, what's going on, and he said northwestern China, western China, Xinjiang province, I think that's the way you pronounce it. It used to be called Xinjiang when the old, uh, and spelled differently. Now now it's generally, it begins with the X instead of a uh, uh, S. That was an ethnic Turkic region. That's where you get into Uyghurs. You see them crop up every once in a while in radical Islamic, uh, radical Islamic groups. It's been Hanicized, H-A-N, Han, Han Chinese, world's largest ethnic group. And uh, I think this this sounds so extreme, but I think there's an accuracy to it. Really, it's it's there's a slow genocide against uh, Turkic peoples, primarily the Uyghurs, going on in Xinjiang uh, uh, province. And Jim talked about how the Chinese want to move ethnic Han Chinese into an area and then uh, populate it. That's what's going on in in northwestern China. And it's largely off, uh, below the radar, off the radar, hard to get information about uh, 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 about the area. There are some Uyghur uh, autonomous groups. There are some Islamic groups that get information out. There are some Chinese that try to uh, try to report on it. But the, the Philippines, the Philippines are aware of what's going on in, in uh, Xinjiang uh, uh, province. I'll make one last point, too. I said that, you know, the mentioned that that uh, uh, chapter we had in the 1985 edition. There's not a date on this, but it's April 2001, and you can go to the On Point uh, 2001 uh, archive index and see it. And the title of the uh, uh, column, and I'm looking at it right now on my computer, China's Boisterous Borders. And I wrote this right after the EP3 uh, Ares uh, incident where the Chinese Air Force forced down an American electronic intelligence uh, air- aircraft. And it, it's a, I've done this column actually a couple of other times. To some degree, I do it in the, the China chapter of, of Cocktails from Hell. But China, 
there are a lot of reasons for China's neighbors to be uneasy and fearful. And it's not new. You could see it, see it evident in 2001. And I don't go into details on this, but I had not long before I wrote this, I actually had an opportunity to talk with an American military officer who had uh, done some uh, liaison work. I assumed that he had been in the embassy in, in Mongolia. And his, his comments were about how afraid the Mongols were of, of, uh, uh, of China, not Russia. Uh, of China and how the uh, Mongol Mongolia wanted to have a relationship with the United States. Toggle forward to 2008. I'm at uh, the Marine University in uh, at Quantico, participating in a in an instructive uh, a war game simulation, and it was really about the Philippines uh, uh, for two and a half days. And I was uh, both part of the white cell, but also uh, uh, commenting on, on some of the uh, uh, student moves and, and student decisions. And there was a Mongolian lieutenant colonel there taking uh, the Marine uh, 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 Command and Staff uh, College course. And I spoke to him about what I the conversation I'd had uh, eight, nine years earlier, 10, year, uh, ten years earlier, and he says, yes. Uh, he says the Chinese are expansionist and we know it and there's it's I'm, I'm picking up Mongolia because that's a place you don't you don't hear about you hear more about Tibet still free Tibet bumper stickers you hear a little bit about India because remember the 1962 sign of India war it's not over now the thing is is what's really hot it sounds big is is the Philippines there really is a conflict oh slow but successful war waged by Beijing, and it's a territorial acquisition war. And I, I read uh, Jim's uh, latest report at the end of April on, on, on the Philippines. Duterte had gone to Beijing, and they did, talked about, you know, when I, I said that he was had threatened uh, military action uh, on this, and, and they're trying to, you know, paste over it rhetorically. I also recall in this strategy talk, I said that the Chinese foreign ministry said, oh, he's just being, you know, shooting his mouth off, being rash. The, the fundamental situation is as dire as Jim Dunnigan said earlier. And as they look, again, I hear pushing cocktails from hell that uh, chapter three on China, you know, the dragon revives. Uh, I, it's it's documented, and the, the Philippines is a uh, <coughs> is a case study in how China is uh, expanding uh, right now in Southeast Asia, but also has the same kind of uh, same same kind of operations going on worldwide. I'll leave it at that. How about that, Dan? That sounds great. Um, well, we'll continue to watch it as we always do. Thanks for being here, and we'll talk to you gentlemen next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.